Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound. Call it treating your ear. Sometimes there's a man, well, he's the man for his time and place. He fits right in there. And that's the dude in Los Angeles. Today we're speaking with a DJ and producer who's just right for his time and place. Luckily for him, that time happens to be right now, and the place is all over the world. Mesdames et messieurs, bienvenue à Madcap DC. Je m'appelle Dylan Francis. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Madcap. I'm Daniel Bloom. And I'm David Ross. Dylan Francis started out as a top 40 DJ, but began making his own music with the ambition of playing Steve Aoki's legendary Tuesday night party at Cinespace. He's released music on Skrillex's Ausla label and Calvin Harris's Fly Eye Records, among others, but he's best known as part of Diplo's Mad Decent crew. Fans of Dylan Francis have eaten up his original productions, like this one, entitled IDGAFOS, which of course stands for I Don't Give a F or Dylan Francis has produced alongside the likes of Kill the Noise, DJ Snake, and Flux Pavilion, and done remixes for Dada Life, Passion Pit, and Justin Timberlake, among others. In addition to his prolific output, what makes Dylan Francis so perfect for the 21st century is his hilarious social media presence, the most entertaining in dance music. With the possible exception of Borgor, for obvious reasons. People can catch up with Dylan Francis on SoundCloud, YouTube, Vine, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and his own website, DylanFrancis.com. Perusing these sites, they may even catch a glimpse of his alter egos, DJ Hansel, DJ Rich as Fuck, and supermodel Ali Springer. This interview is intercontinental, with the first part taking place in Paris with our francophone correspondent, Molly Martinez, and the second part in an alley behind Washington, D.C.'s 930 Club with me, Dan, and our good friend, Carolyn Brown. Now, let's send it over to Molly, who caught up with Dylan ahead of his show at Social Club in Paris, less than a mile from the River Seine. We are here with the one and only Dylan Francis in Paris. What's it like being in the fashion capital of the world when you are such a a known fashion icon? Oh, it's crazy. Like, people are just touching my body constantly. It's just hard not to be touched. Being a supermodel is not an issue. You know, I don't care to be good looking. I just force myself to forget it. I know, I love cheese. I love cheese. Sorry about that. Sometimes I read all night. My manager hates it. Baudelaire, Capote, Dostoevsky, Rembrandt. Yeah, when I was in Milan, you know, Versace jogging pants were everywhere. And now? <laughs> Look what Kanye did. Kanye, I thought it was leather jogging pants. Leather jogging, what, what did I say? Versace. Versa- oh, leather, <laughs> leather, but they were, le- wait, no, it was Fendi. Brought the leather jogging pants six years ago to Fendi, mm. and they said no. How many motherfuckers you done seen with a leather jogging pant? Rewinding. Somebody call 911. Shotty fire burning on the dance floor. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. 
beginning of your career, you were a top 40 DJ. Yes. And you said you hate pop, you don't hate pop music, but you hated being a DJ. I love pop music. I just hated having, like being forced to play that and only that and not being able to play what I really love, which was like what I was into at the time. Now it's really easy to be a top 40 DJ, which I am pretty much in Vegas now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I play some of my own stuff, but it's like, Top 40 is now dance music, which was is what I've always wanted. What was like one Top 40 hit that was like such a crowd pleaser that you just rolled your eyes every time you had to play it? <laughs> Sean Kingston. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's that song called? Uh, Somebody go nine. Yes, yes, it was that one. Shorty fire burning on the dance floor. But the thing is, I would turn, I would turn, and then I would kind of be like. <laughs> I'm not singing. I'm not. But Is that like your secret ringtone? Yeah. It's okay. It's a no judgment zone. <laughs> so moms usually call it emergency, so yes. that's fitting. Exactly, exactly. This is Masta Blasta from 2011, the first Dylan Francis song I ever heard, and one of the very first Moombatone tracks put out by Mad Decent Records. Moochie was the one that really inspired me to listen to that music and actually appreciate it. Um, and that's when I first slowed down my song. In your relationship with Munchie, how has that sort of helped you evolve as an artist? Munchie's really hard to get in touch with. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's catfishing you. He probably is catfishing me. <laughs> when he would, he doesn't come to America that often anymore because he's always he's staying in Rotterdam. He doesn't really want to travel right now. He just wants to work on music. But um, like I remember, he was staying at my uh, at my house for a while, staying on my couch, um, sit on Dave Nada's couch. Um, like the celebrity couch surfer. Celebrity couch surfer, Munchie. <laughs> um, but. We never really talked about music that much. He just showed me a lot of random music that he likes. So listening to him and then now like Gasafelstein, they've like kind of helped me have breakthroughs. Like my new Oliver remix is like total inspiration from Gasafelstein. I just try to take inspiration from other things around me in music and just flip them into my own style. Diplo that really like inspires me to, to like keep digging deeper into different styles of music yeah, and, and Moochie but how but is Diplo's, that being a part of like the whole like Mad Decent family and that's fun being among such genius company I love it you know 
having Diplo being able to like send him stuff and be like, yo, can you crit this really quickly? And like having the access to that, him like giving me crit, or like even with people that aren't on it, like I send my stuff to Zed all the time, uh, to Porter, to Maddion. Does Diplo call his DJing dip sets? He should. <laughs> oh my god. Patent that. <laughs> Patent that one. I'm gonna tell him. Um, I'm gonna tell him I came up with that. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> just catfish him again. The net is on my So you, you catfishing. are a, a man of so many talents. You, uh, high fashion model, DJ. Yes. yes. You also have the best internet presence of any human on earth. You have drunk cooking segments. Welcome to Drunk Cooking with Dylan Francis. I'm gonna make some pizza tacos. Here's the ingredients. Mozzarella cheese, pizza crust, pepperoni, ricotta cheese. You gotta have the ricotta cheese. Ground beef, tacos, and then some sour cream. So after you've done th this, then you can take another shot. You're just like such a goofball, and I feel like that's the side of you that people don't really associate with your music. Definitely how how not. did that sort of come to be? I've always been into doing really, really bizarre videos, and with the creation of Vine and Instagram video, it was just like I, I used to go to art school and I was in the visual arts program, and I would in this class new genres, which I was try I tried to get into the acting program, but it was easy for me to get into the visual arts one because I have done Because you didn't have to do a couch audition? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't I, I, I didn't have to record myself, or I couldn't record myself and just send it to him. But in new genres, they're like, you can, you can do whatever you want because it's new genres. Mm -hmm. So these are genres that you're gonna create by yourself. And I was like, so I can just do like comedy stuff. And he's like, yeah, so with this kid, Will, I forgot what his last name was, but Will and I used to make these really, really stupid videos like, we would do the stupid drunk girls where we'd be like, oh my god, Becky, I just ate a hot pocket. <laughs> oh my god, Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. And then, and then like, it would be like, oh my god, Rebecca, you just threw up a whole hot pocket. You're supposed to chew it. <laughs> and it's like, we would always do that weird stuff. And then like, we would do like the fake OC yeah. and where each of us would be the character and we'd have our, our blonde wigs on and be like, Bethany, and you do that like looking at the camera thing with like <laughs> So <laughs> And this was for school. This was for school. Did you have any teachers that were like We very... always got A's in, in new genres. I can't. So no it. no hater teachers? No, no, no. They were like, this is amazing. Cool, and look at you now. Yeah, just making Instagram videos. <laughs> uh, you also have a side business, um, which yes. <laughs> several. For um, charities. For, yeah, you uh, have a service fee for certain services. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You can hire me for your bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah for $10,000.36. <laughs> um, you can hire no me. No rounding to, up. Nope. It's exact, exactly that. Um, you can hire me to bake you cookies. Oh, actually, no, that's sold out. You used to be able to hire me to babysit your kid, but that sold out as well. Um, you can hire me to make a remake of Fireworks by Katy Perry dressed as a pirate. <laughs> There's something about like ruining your dad, your stepdad's Christmas. Yeah, I can ruin someone's stepdad's Christmas how, for how, would, how does one do that? I don't know. I would have to figure it out once I got paid for it. Ladies, we got some buyers on the market. If you have any daddy issues, Dylan yes. Francis is your man. Excuse me, are you my dad? 
Are you my dad? No. Oh. You are a very prolific DJ. Sorry. Um, That's okay. I'm getting gropey right now. It's a podcast. You can't tell, but I'm getting very gropey. Uh, you're a very prolific DJ. Is that something that is you're trained? Do you have to train yourself to do? You have to really make an effort, or are you just prolific by nature? You're just always doing something different and recording it. Do you mean am I, I'm prolific at DJing? Or, yes. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know. I just mix songs together. You have a bunch of songs. <laughs> I love them all. I'm not complaining. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. making music and playing music to people and making stupid videos. Keep it up. This is Carried Away by Passion Pit, the Dylan Francis remix. So to end it, do you still have your card? On the back of it. Oh my god. I have a, uh, a couple uh, Dostoevsky co-hosts. Oh my god. I would like you to pick one and end. I'm Molly Martinez from Madcap DC. I am here with Dylan Francis, and he's about to drop some serious knowledge on us. Here's some knowledge. Man only likes to count his troubles. He doesn't calculate happiness. Dun, dun, dun. Boom. Tell me, tell me, tell me That was Molly Martinez representing Madcap with Dylan Francis in Paris. You can catch Molly on stage doing stand-up in Paris on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights at, I'm going to try and get this right, Théâtre du Gymnase. And now, please stow your luggage and observe the fasten seatbelt sign. Because we're taking off for the worst airport in the D.C. area, Washington Dulles International. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me, let's float down. It's always better if you can do an interview somewhere weird, I think, like in an elevator or... Oh, I I'm down with that. We're, I don't think there's any elevators around here, though. No, no, but this is weird enough. Uh, we're in the... Yeah, where are we right now? Anyway, we're in an alley behind uh, 930 Club. It gets kind of dark back here. It gets dark back here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't underestimate ever. I don't underestimate DC. DC scares me. DC's traffic is so fucking awful. I'm blown away. I think it took me an hour and 45 minutes to get to my hotel from the airport, and that was only 22 miles. Which airport? 
uh, Dulles. Okay, that's your number one problem. And this is from a man from Los Angeles. You're telling our traffic is bad? That's that's saying something. It was, I think it was because there was like a bomb threat thing in, at the Swedish embassy. Really? Yeah, I think that there was something that has to do with that, yeah. That's like a unicorn of a situation that never happens. <laughs> we were talking about that, we were like, who wants to bomb Swedish people? Like, they're the nicest. I don't, they've, I don't think they've had a war ever. The house of, actually, the Swedish embassy, the house of Sweden is like the most amazing embassy in D.C. Someone just really got pissed off, like, doesn't like beautiful things. That's, that's perhaps what happened. <laughs> you motherfuckers are too clean, you have your shit too together. <laughs> Time to mess your shit up. Yes. That's <laughs> it. Exactly. There's probably some guy from Norway. Exactly. That Scandinavian beef is no Dude, joke. It's crazy. You can't talk about, like, I love Oslo so much, and whenever I meet Swedish people, I'm like, they're like, Norway? Like, no. That's, fuck them. We're way cooler. And it's because Norway is, the, they're super rich now, and they used to not be the super rich ones. So now, like, I don't know, the beef of money. Beef of money. The beef of money. <laughs> That's going to be the subtitle of this interview. Perfect. Dylan Francis, The Beef of Money. Dill the Noise, a collaboration between Dylan Francis and Kill the Noise. Get it? They say every great artist secretly performs for an audience of one. So if there's one person that you can, it's, if there's one person that you keep in your mind to impress as you constantly evolve, not as not beyond yourself, like I'm saying, who is that person? That's a good question. The first thing that came to mind was all my ex-girlfriends. answer keep going um it's just kind of like i don't know even if i was a dick to them or they were a dick to me it's like kind of just sh like showing people up i guess it would be uh, i don't know is that weird no. not at all i feel like it's it's kind of fucked up in my mind but like but i mean it's you know it's so that you like can always be in that person's face and like show them like this is what you did but I mean, like, but if if I that think in both genders could they, that could work for both genders. But if that's like the impetus for that, like, I feel like then they obviously like weighed you down, kind of. You know what I'm saying, like, or like, is that is that is that why? No, I just just to impress just to show them. them. Just, just impress oh, just to impress them. them? Yeah. Just to impress them. Yeah. Anyone in particular? All of them. <laughs> all of them. Nobody, nobody stands no. out. Nobody, nobody's illuminated. <laughs> no, all of them. Just to piss them off. I don't know. Just to be like, <laughs> God damn it, that fucking guy. He's always in front of me. Like he's always on a billboard, and I can't not think about him. Do you send them? Do you send them completed tracks, <laughs> like promos? She's on the promo no, list. No, no, no. Facebook no, no. posts. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> He's above that. Plus, they probably all these girls tagged in this post for SoundCloud. 
<laughs> exactly. That'd right. be a bad look. Although, uh, without you now, that's like one of my favorite breakup songs of dance music. I mean, how does it feel to make the definitive breakup song of EDM? You can hold on if you want to, but you know I'm gonna let you go. Ain't nobody there to talk to. Nobody's at home in this heart, my dear If only you could see the bright side Of waking up and being alone If only you could see the future It's all yours now Cause I know I'll be high without you now I was listening to the words in it. It's pretty fucked up. It's like, it's a pretty harsh thing that Teed wrote. Teed stands for Totally Enormous Extinct Dinosaurs. He's a record producer, writer, and singer who collaborated with Dylan Francis on Without You. I was having problems with my girlfriend. She was living with me, and I wanted her to, like, get her own place so we could have a, a relationship and, like, come together at the end of the day and be like that, but not be together all the time. I told her about that, and she thought I was breaking up with her, and, I, and we ended up breaking up. I was telling T this, the situation, I was like, how do I explain that like, you know, like sometimes I want to wake up in my own bed by myself. Sometimes I want to be with you in my bed. Like, it's not me trying to be a, a dick. It's just like, it's, I need space. I need headspace and blah, blah, blah. And then that's how he wrote it. And when he was singing, I was like, why the fuck does this sound so familiar? And he's like, I, I wrote it about your relationship that you were telling me about. I told my friend to come over, um, and I, I I always like to tell people to listen to something and not tell them it's me, and and uh, and see if they like it to get an honest opinion. Because a lot of people are aren't too honest. Where did you talk about that? Like I guess you got, like got to really pressure people to be like, give me your honest, honest opinion. The only person I send my, my music to now that gives me like the most honest opinion ever is Calvin Harris. He was the, one of the main guys that helped me do the um, the rebirth for Without You. Like, the, there was the original version where the middle section is super bare. And I sent it to him and he's like, this is the biggest piece of shit in the middle section. What are you doing? Like, you need to do this. And like, he's, he actually like got back to so many emails. I have this like whole email list of him being like, change this, 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 put this in, make this sound like this. You send that, what's the time allotment in which you expect a response? Uh, he's pretty good at, at giving me responses. He likes doing it, which is awesome. And like, and he's he's super truthful, which, which is great. And I, and I it just, I like making my music better, and so if, any, if someone can like tell me an honest opinion about what they think could make it better, then I'm probably going to do it. I don't really have that like um, I'm not too uh, attached to any to one thing in, in my music. A producer to help you make your stuff better. I mean, yeah. Calvin Harris, like, yeah. and you produced, you uh, released on his label as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Uh, Bootleg Fireworks on Fly. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a good friend of mine now. beginning of my career I was pretty crazy on Twitter like I was saying some really awful fucked up things <laughs> after we met I think it was 
think I did the remix for Feel So Close for him, and then uh, we met in Miami, and I'd always tried to hang out with him, and he always was like very, no, I can't, I'm doing this, no, 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 I can't, I'm doing this, and then like we finally met really quickly, and I was like, hey man, I'm Dylan. He's like, oh, and I think like he was like, okay, this guy seems normal. Your whole thing with Tiesto is really a funny kind of subversive thing. Like, you don't play by the whole, like, oh, we're all a part of the whole EDM fraternity thing. Like, you're willing to take the piss out of people who are, like, worldwide famous. And that picture that you took of you, Avicii, uh, who else is in it? Tiesto and Zed. That, the, the grin on your face just speaks a million words. That cracks me up. You got me Was it surreal for you to have this huge joke that you've been playing on like the entire EDM world finally come to fruition in that one yeah. moment? That, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, because I, you know, I bust Avicii and Tiesto's balls a lot with jokes. And it's weird because those guys are not American, so it's very hard to, for them to understand my humor. <laughs> like Avicii totally doesn't, like, doesn't get why I do what I'm, what I'm doing. I think Tiesto sort of does, but not really. Like I, one time uh, I was playing at um, this place in El Paso and Tiesto uh, was closing his stage and I was closing mine and like he had fireworks and and I was like I was like sorry I don't have fireworks I spent all my money at Taco Bell and I, on the mic and I was and then I was like fucking fireworks suck Tiesto can fucking suck my dick <laughs> and, and like he actually hit me up on on Twitter DM and was like um, it was, some, or it was something where I kind of had to apologize and be like, it's we're just a joke, man. Like, <laughs> I tell everybody to suck my dick, okay? I tell everybody you shouldn't feel special. <laughs> it's a compliment where I come yeah. from. wondering about like the whole dad thing you know like I'll just say that dad thing and let you comment on it um what about it <laughs> like I don't know I just thought it was funny I was in Vegas and we were and I was just following old guys around that were playing poker and asking them for my dad I was I was just <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> I was just having fun dad 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 why don't you love me anymore I was in Vegas with me and my friend Matt and my friend Nick, and it was just us joking around. And I and I think that's when like Vine started was was just starting um, getting really popular, and so I just did weird videos. Perfect segue. How do your parents feel about your success? Oh, they love it. I mean, my dad, my mom, and my dad are like super happy. Um, 
my mom's just blown away because like whenever she talks to anybody that has like kids or something <laughs> all the kids know about me and she's like oh my god it's weird because you're my son and like it's dr drew francis dr drew francis yeah Katika or Katisha? Katisha. Katisha, Katisha Francis? <laughs> yeah. Golden Cabinet Medical. I found this shirt. <laughs> nice. Yeah. My dad's an alternative medicine doctor. Yo, here's my question. Did you... So you're 26. Um, yeah, yeah. Your high school reunion took place already. Did it? No, I didn't, I didn't have one. You didn't have one? No. That's a question I always want to ask people. Like, do you go? <laughs> oh, I would be so down to go. How was, how was the high school experience for you? High school was cool. I went to this art school. Um, it was it was fun. I ditched a lot. Um, little little does the school know. I just w went home or maybe like smoked weed or something. Um, but little does the school know that I used to ditch all my arts classes because I went to this art school, um, and the art classes were from like twelve something to to four, and so I always ditched like the ones that I really hated. And um, one of the counselors was gay. And he really liked, he really liked me, and so I would, I would, I would go in. Liked me. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey man, like, I need to write, uh, um, I need to write like a, I don't know. I would lie to him, and be like, I need to write something. Can I use your computer for like ten minutes? And he'd be like, oh sure, sweetheart. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, go away. And then he would go away, and I would log into the attendance thing, and I would delete all my my absences. Ferris Bueller style. I, it's kind of Ferris Bueller-y, but um, yes. but not as I'd not as hackerish. Cause it was me just uh it wasn't like you at your home and like it it's shrinking in yeah, principal rooney's face yeah, I, I asked for a car i got a computer so far this semester he has been absent nine times nine times nine times i don't remember him being sick nine times that's probably because he wasn't sick he was skipping school wake up and smell the coffee mrs bueller it's a fool's paradise. He is just leading you down the primrose path. I can't believe it. I've got it right here in front of me. He has missed nine days. I asked for a car. I got a computer. How's that for being born under a bad sign? You're listening to Madcap. I'm Daniel Bloom alongside David Ross, and today we're spending time with Dylan Francis behind the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. Carolyn Brown will definitely get a question in there, too. All right, let's switch to another influential person of your life, like Hansel. So I was at the club last night, right, and I was playing the house music. And then I was like, maybe I can go run deeper. So I did, and they liked it. And then I was like, Maybe I can go one more deeper. And I did, and they liked it. So I was driving down Crenshaw trying to find the Unz Deep house party. I asked someone and they said, yes, go this way. So I went that way. I ended up at a trap house. People were twerking. I was not happy. It was not a deep house party. It was nothing deep about it. Question, like, what does he think about your career? Like, do you worry about did you borrow this jacket from Hansel? I did. It's cold. <laughs> is he is he like does he take constructive criticism? Like, no, he doesn't take any constructive criticism. He like, no, he's he thinks uh, he thinks he's the best at what he does, and that's it. Like, he doesn't care about anybody else. What do you think? Is he? Is he? I, th I think. Um, I don't know. I don't want to talk shit. I don't want to talk shit. <laughs> no, I love Hansel. He's awesome. He's just a dick. He's just a German dickhead. 
Okay, first question, Dylan. Why does Get Low suck so much? Please explain. Um, I, uh, I mean, everyone actually really likes the song. I think you're wrong about it. Um, I don't really think it sucks. Okay, but that's a stupid answer and I won't take it, so that's a mulligan for you on that one. Um, why did you collaborate with DJ Snake? I don't like French people that much because the thing is they aren't German. Um, so explain. Um, I don't really even know how to answer that question. I mean, DJ Snake and I are really good friends and I just don't know why you would hate him for, for not being German. Um, but anyways, we, uh, we got in the studio and, um, We've probably worked on it for like a year and a half and finally came out. Okay, well that's the stupidest thing as well. Um, I don't want to talk to you anymore because you have probably ruined my whole radio show and no one wants to listen to it. So um, that's it for Deep Talks. Get, 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 get low when the whistle go. Before all this, the entire, I guess, where your life is now, how'd you think this would go? I didn't know it was going to be like this. All I really wanted to do when I started out was uh, Stevie Oki's night at Cinespace was, it was like just the beginning of it starting out, and um, I just really wanted to play it. I, that was my aspiration for making music, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to play it unless I had my own music. So that was one of the main reasons of making music. Also. DJ AM, when he was still alive, he was one of the main people that I also wanted to kind of show up, bring it back to like that ex-girlfriend thing, like show up being like, dude, I can do this, like check this out. Cause I remember he was one of my friend's sponsors for uh, AA and I was always like, yo, I, I make music, blah, blah, blah. And you know, people that would brush you off. It's kind of like that. It's kind of interesting. It's like a theme of your career has been like proving yourself to people. Yeah. Or is uh, it proving yourself to yourself? Proving myself to myself, being from Los Angeles, I just, a lot of people from LA are always, they always say like, oh, I'm gonna do this, and then it never happens. I used to do that a lot in the beginning when I was growing up, and my, my dad was always like, stop telling people that you're gonna do something unless you're actually gonna do it. Wait till you're done doing it, and then you can tell that person about it. And I've always been that way now. And that's why, like, I think that was one of the, the big driving things where it's like, I wanna show, I wanna prove to everybody that this is, this is what, you know, I want my career to be. I can, I can make music. Like, I'm gonna sit in my room and do it. How supportive were your parents in this rap? In the beginning, they were like 50% there because I was making some shitty music, like bad. But um, my determination and hustle was, I think, super admirable to them so they were like they were sort of into it and sort of not and now they're like wow all right in my uh this is a very serious question you know i'm mm -hmm. saying the uh dylan francis losing a virginity story losing my virginity he always does this if you know if you don't feel comfortable you don't you can make something Stop. up does he already know about who i lost my virginity to yeah he knows don't lie he knows He's already redhead redhead where was it where was it it was at my house. Did you play music? Did I you play, play music? We 
had been going out for like six months and we were both virgins and um, we were at my house and we had sex and it lasted for like, what, 30 seconds? Was it pre-planned or just like half? Sex? Yeah, 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 I think it was. <laughs> um, I think. <laughs> uh, but it was good. And I, th it was, yeah, 30 seconds of awesomeness. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when we live in our dreams. Classic guy. Jesus, can we get back to the music for a second? <laughs> My God, where did we? Where did this go? <laughs> One thing I really like about your production is your remixes. It's been so long I heard that song. Like, you kill it on the remix tip. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the hit, Hits Me Like a Rock was one of the first tracks by you I ever heard. Yeah. I was like, this dude has got skills. <laughs> That's my manager's favorite uh, remix that I've ever done as well. Um, that was a really fun one to do just because growing up I listened to CSS and it's like that I'm, I'm a little hipster guy so you know being able to remix them and them liking it was fucking awesome so they reach out to you and they're like hey Dylan Francis this uh, was great when they heard it they loved it and they hit me up on Twitter but um for how they wanted me to get to remix it was through their management. Their management hit up mine was like, hey, can this, can this guy do it? So. That's what's up. So good management, apparently. Yeah. Very good management. I love my manager. Suit and Tie remix probably gave you more exposure to like a mainstream audience than anything else, right? Yeah, probably. That was funny because that one I, I almost quit. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I was uh, I spent like two weeks on it and I tried to make it into like a 110 track and it just like failed so hard. And I tried doing the, the, the trap style one. The first version of it was so fucking bad. I remember the last day I called my manager and I was like, dude, I can't fucking do this. I don't want to remix the song. Like, the song is pissing me off. It's actually like making me lose sleep. I'm going to go insane. And uh, he was like, all right, dude, don't do it then. But I like, I walked away from my computer and I got really angry that the, the, the song had really gotten the best of me and like really trumped me from being able to like to do anything to it. And I just sat down one more time and I finally flipped the vocal like that. And I was like, holy shit, I think I did it.
Did you ever hear from Justin on your suit and tie remix? No. I, I mean, all I heard is that that he liked it. Um, yeah, he, got, ne he never called me back either. It's okay. I got paid for it, so I'm good. <laughs> Miss if we didn't at least mention like the influence of Diplo on your career. I mean, this how did you guys hook up? What kind of effect has he had on, on what you do and what do you guys have planned for next year? Uh, Diplo was is the main guy that helps me with I mean, he's the reason I'm standing here right now because he was the first person to give me a shot and like listen to my music and put it out and uh, next year we'll just like have a lot of my we'll have my album release that's gonna happen and then uh the mad decent block parties and and the we have some other shows ideas that we want to do that i can't really get into yet because i don't know if it's going to happen yet but nobody's going to hear this you can go yeah. ahead and tell us <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's going to be awesome I, i'm excited he's he's so much fun to hang out with and work with and like he's so in tune with new music whenever i hang out with him that's what that's mainly what, what we do is i'm like yo play me something that is like really popular right now for you or just like something that you really like and he always has really good taste Dylan, he was on here in LA. He's one of the first like local guys I met because we just moved our studios here in LA. One of his, his managers at the time, Stretch Armstrong, sent me his demos like, hey, you should hook up with him. I was like, sure, we can maybe do a collaboration or something. But he came over and he had all these great tracks and then um, we finished, we actually did KK, this one record together with Maluka. And I uh, think they, they fell on his EP, but we actually did a bunch of uh, bunch of cool stuff together. But I realized he was like, you know, really talented. And he Francis, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk with us behind the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. Yes. You, you met our friend Molly in, uh, in Paris. Yes. She was awesome. Yes. Shout out to Molly. Shout out She's to still awesome. Yeah. She'll be awesome forever. She's uh, a jeune fille. A jeune fille. I think I mean little girl. <laughs> Do you have any parting words that you'd like to leave uh, Washington, D.C., your fans, the world? Uh, to everyone in D.C., te quiero, te necesito, bien conmigo. Muy bella. Muchas gracias, Dylan Francis. Appreciate it, man. Dylan Francis, DJ, producer, and internet sensation. We offer our special thanks to Dylan Francis himself, to Matt, Brandon, and Sam for enabling the interview, to the 930 Club, a very special thanks to Molly Martinez for doing an amazing job for us in Paris, and big shout-out to Carolyn Brown. Carolyn Brown, what did you think of that interview? Oh, that was pretty good. I have a pretty question. good. Damn it! You I have, have a question. Um, so you you said you built a lot of your career basically on sort of proving yourself to other people. Yeah. Have you ever had like a moment where that was like you knew it, you proved it? Any specific moments that stand oh, out? Coachella. 
playing Coachella because I had told my one of my best friends, Noel, that two, uh, I was like, we were sitting down in the beer gardens. I remember being like, I swear to God, I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna play at Coachella. It gave me two years and it took me three. And she was like, I remember she sent me a text and was like, I can't believe you fucking did it. Like, you, I remember you telling me that and you fucking now, there you are. Dada Life with So Young, So High, remixed by our guest, Dylan Francis. During the last weekend in April, you can catch Dylan Francis at Moogfest in beautiful scenic Asheville, North Carolina, along with a host of other great artists. We'll end today's program with a preview of the event with Emmy Parker, brand director for Moog Music. All right, D. Ross, kick us off. So, uh, Emmy Parker, the brand director of Moog Music. I want to know... Wait a minute. Is it Moog or Moog? Moog or Moog? It's Moog. As long as you're not British, if you're American, we ask that you say Moog. It rhymes with Vogue. Don't just stand there. Let's get to it. Strike the pose. There's nothing to it. Vogue. 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 But if you're British... There's no way we can stop you from saying Moog. We've learned that over many years. <laughs> okay, okay. So for all those who do not know, who was Dr. Bob Moog? David. Moog. Moog. I'm, my bad, Moog. <laughs> That's okay. Bob Moog was a lot of things. I think he's well known for pioneering the synthesizer. A lot of his life's work was in designing and building electronic musical instruments. And he was right there at the beginning, along with a lot of other talented people. But he designed and built ceremons and modular synthesizers and uh, portable synthesizers, um, as well as effects pedals and lots of other instruments. When the synthesizer hit, it was like a revolution in music, and all of a sudden, everybody was using the synthesizer. The artist that I think of that most represents this shift is Stevie Wonder, because he was mm -hmm. so iconically known for that kind of, uh, I guess it's a Rhodes piano sound in his early albums, mm -hmm. and then as soon as the synthesizer comes out, it's all synth for Stevie. In 1970, he introduced the first portable analog synthesizer. And suddenly, every musician, you know, the synthesizer became very accessible. Was Dr. Moog a musician himself? He was. He was. He was a classically trained musician. I don't think that he would say that he could have made any money mm -hmm. uh, playing music. Like, he wouldn't have been a professional. But he, you know, he was very, very passionate about music. It was obviously a huge part of his life. Now, we are speaking to you during the lead-up to Moog Festival, and that is the ostensible reason, among others, of having you on Madcap. So can you just give us a quick overview of what this festival is and what makes it special? 
Moogfest is a five-day celebration of technology, innovation, art, and music. And we do it in honor of Bob's innovative spirit. It's not just a music festival. It's not just an electronic music festival. What we do is we take the time to explore how technology can enhance the way we creatively express ourselves, because that's the work that Bob Logue was doing. You know, every day he was trying to figure out how technology could allow artists and musicians to realize in the world the sounds that they were hearing in their head. And so, you know, Moog synthesizers are responsible for so many different sounds, not just classic lead lines and, and bass lines that you hear in popular music, but also like the sound of the Millennium Falcon taking off in Star Wars as a Moog synthesizer. The sounds of the guns in the new uh, Star Trek movies are Moog synthesizers. It's a pretty dynamic and diverse instrument, and so the festival itself is very diverse. Well, this year you have a wonderfully uh, diverse musical lineup. You have Dylan Francis, who is our guest for the first half of the show, and you also have Nile Rodgers on the same bill. Why was that important, this type of diversity? Obviously, electronic music is extremely popular right now, and you know we're grateful for that and thankful for that. But there are forebears and pioneers that have laid the groundwork for where we're at today and what we're enjoying today. For us, it's super important that we pay homage and respect to those that enable us and inspire us to do what we're doing now. Not to mention the fact that they are just as funky now as they were back then. have a greater understanding of where art has come from, it makes where we're going in the future all that more exciting. I love that that aspect of kind of time travel, you know, like Nile Rodgers and Chic are disco. And that leads directly to the electronic music of today with like Dylan Francis. You have the same kind of dichotomy, Giorgio Moroder on one side. and former guest of this program, Zed's Dead. I love that those two acts can share the same lineup. Absolutely. They, of course, can share the same lineup because they share the same lineage. You know, they have the same DNA. So why not have them play the same stage? I completely agree. So between me, you, and Dan, uh, who do you really want to see? Man, I'm really looking forward to Kraftwerk. Okay. I think everybody in the Moog Factory feels like this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I wouldn't say that there's anybody on the lineup I'm not excited to see. But as far as Kraftwerk, because Kraftwerk is doing three shows. They're doing three different concerts, all in 3D. 
So wow. they've done this, yeah, at MoMA in New York. They've done it at the Tate in London. They just did a residency in L.A. And now they're coming to tiny little Asheville, North Carolina. What I love about your emphasis on craft work is that that's a group that really is at the crossroads of, you know, the development of this technology, as well as the genres of pop music, of electronica. And then, you know, craft work was also sampled in the early recordings of Africa Bambata. So they are also important to the beginnings of hip hop. have hip-hop represented on this bill as well which is extremely interesting just blaze and q-tip back in the days when i was a teenager before i had status and before i had a pager you can find the abstract listening to hip-hop my pops used to say it reminded him of bebop i said well daddy don't you know that things go in cycles way the bobby brown is just amping like michael it's all expected things are for the looking if you got the money quest is for the booking come on everybody for us it's hard when people put um, music into different genres for us because we don't totally understand that because we build electronic musical instruments. You know, we hand build them at our factory in Asheville and we build them for pretty much every touring musician out there, um, no matter what genre they're in. So for us, electronic music is pretty much all music. So we build synthesizers for Sugarlands, we build synthesizers for Jay Z, for Kanye West, for Beyonce. For Kesha. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, whatever, girl. So it's really all over the map. We're about to uh, announce <laughs> Mixmaster Mike. Oh, I love Mixmaster Mike, former DJ for the Beastie Boys Hell and a yeah. member of the Invisible Scratch Pickles. <laughs> exactly. Three MCs and one DJ. We've been getting down with no delay. Mixmaster Mike, what you got to say? So with all these great artists and innovators, how did uh, Riff Raff sneak his way into the bill? <laughs> Iceberg Simpson. Iceberg. You know what? What, inter- what intern did that? <laughs> Simpson. Neck is sipping, drank in my song. Yeah. Only fuck with hoes who rock. Dosey and Gabon. Dosey and Gabon. Dosey, Dosey and Gabon. Huh. Only fuck with hoes who rock. Dosey and Gabon. You cannot say that Riff Raff has not had some kind of impact on popular music. <laughs> yes. At least popular culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll leave that up to you to decide what that impact has been. But, I mean, he's making some moves right now. Plus, you know, we have a lot of great showcases from labels that we love. Um, and the labels curated these showcases. And uh, Riff Raff, I believe, is playing on the same night as Dylan Francis. And those guys are playing the Mad Decent Showcase. Riff Raff pulling up with five ace cards. Maybe five jokers. Yo, bitch playing strip poker. I'm outside eating fried okra. With who? 
with Oprah. Diamonds, diamonds cross my Lena. In addition to the nighttime performances, you have a conference sessions planned with the likes of David X. Cohen from The Simpsons, Dan Deacon, and the folks at the MIT Media Lab. Let's talk about that. Yeah, we basically invited folks that were just pushing the envelope as far as what can be done with technology and, you know, what it's going to enable us to do as far as communication and specifically, you know, creative communication. And who better to get than folks from Google and MIT Media Lab and NASA and SETI and even, like you said, the folks who are responsible for Futurama and writers from The Simpsons to come and talk about how science and math is a big proponent of the storyline in Futurama and The Simpsons, which I actually didn't know. Well, where's my dad? Well, it should be obvious to even the most dim-witted individual who holds an advanced degree in hyperbolic topology that Homer Simpson has stumbled into the third dimension. Let's talk about Asheville. See, I've never been to Asheville. Dan, have you? No, I haven't actually. So, like, I hear I hear great things about this town from very credible people. Yeah, me too. Since you're there, what is it about this town that is special? First of all, you need to come. We're there. Is that an invite? <laughs> we're coming. We're, co- we're coming. Asheville, it's a unique place because it's in the Blue Ridge Mountains in a little valley, so it's absolutely gorgeous here. But we also have more craft breweries per capita uh, in Asheville than anywhere else in the United States. Good to know. Craft work, indeed. Yes. <laughs> exactly. That's our craft work. I read that you all have contests. Like, what kinds of contests do you have all going down at uh, Moog Festival? Uh, my favorite one is the circuit bending challenge. The circuit bending challenge, I don't know if you know much about circuit bending, but mm-hmm. it's essentially where we challenge um, makers to go out and get battery-powered noise machines, whatever. It could be kids' toys. It could be a speaking spell. And to open it up and hack it and turn it into a different type of instrument. And if you go to MoogFest.com and click on the super menu and find the circuit bending challenge, you will be regaled with all kinds of amazing, fantastical instruments that have been created from stuff that people found at thrift stores. Hello, this is my entry for the Moog 2014 Circuit Bending Challenge. Thank you. Do you recommend an easier contest for me to to be part of? Will there be a three-legged race? David wants to know. We're money at the three-legged race. Uh, All right, I'm going to let you know about the three-legged race. All right, well, Emmy... Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to talk with us about the Moog Fest. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Do you have any parting thoughts for uh, potential attendees to this great festival? Check out MoogFest.com. Um, see what this thing is all about, because there really isn't anything like it for electronic music fans uh, anywhere in the world. It's really a gathering of those that design um, and ideate the technology behind the tools that are used to create all the sounds that are basically create the soundtrack of your life. Yeah, we hope to see you in Asheville. Moogfest, and you're, you're serious about that invite, right? We will, we will, <laughs> of we will be checking our, our names on the press list. That... Yeah, man, come on. You got to see Riff Raff. Do, oh, you do not be surprised if we end up in the entourage of Mr. Raff. Right. Moogfest is April 23rd through 27th, 2014 in Asheville, North Carolina. For more information, visit moogfest.com or find them on Facebook and Twitter at Moogfest. That's M-O-O-G. F-E-S-T. Emmy Parker, brand director for Moog Music. Can't thank you enough. Thanks, guys.
Tap is produced by Dan Bloom, David Ross, and Afim Shapiro. Our intern is Marquise Goodwin. MadcapDC.org, on Facebook and Twitter, at MadcapDC. Thank you.